Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. I call this message, He Came. Wow. I think about people that have visited my life unexpectedly, people that I really wanted to see, people that, uh, you know, uh, lit up the room when they did show up quite unexpectedly, and how exciting it was when they came. It could be, you know, friends or family, and, and sometimes it was me showing up uh, unexpectedly with family and, and friends uh, unannounced. It's always nice, isn't it, when they don't know you're coming, but you got to make sure they're going to be there, because if you show up and then they're somewhere else, then that's going to be a big backfire. Uh, so, you know, finding out information about, so, what are you doing at Christmas time? And you know that you want to go and surprise them, but you got to find out if they're going to be there or not. Uh, yeah, well, you know, we're just, we're just hanging around the house. Okay, sounds a bit boring, but, you know, all the best. What are you doing? Oh, I'm staying, you know, in, in Australia. We're not going to be coming to the States this year or whatever. And, and, and then you show up unexpectedly, and, and just to see people's uh, faces just light up. Well, hopefully they light up. If they don't light up, then, you know, it's, it, you're not really a good friend. But, uh, you know, but it's nice to, to come and visit. But I, the thing I like about God sending his son into the world is it wasn't just a visit. It was unexpected, but it wasn't just a visit. He came to stay. And, and there's some people that you don't want them to come to stay. You're happy if it's a visit, like, you know, I'll get you some biscuits, a cup of coffee, and then you'll be going because, uh, you know, I've got things to do or whatever. But, you know, when it comes to God and his son, it's just so exciting that, that he came and he came to stay and, and, and permanently to, to dwell with us. I think that's the Christmas story. It's, 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 it's got a lot of twists and turns and, and a whole lot of things that we'll look at this week. And then next week, we've got our family Christmas, which uh, we will be doing part two of this. But, uh, but it's exciting when somebody comes to stay and, and more than just paying us a visit. There's so many scriptures prophesying about this particular visit visitation that we celebrate at Christmas time, and we're going to look at a few of them, but we're not going to dwell too too much on any one of them. But Isaiah seven fourteen, it says this: It says, "The Lord Himself." Now, this is thousands of years before He came, before Bethlehem, uh, you know, uh, in the manger. The Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and His name. And shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel meaning God with us. I love that. God with us. God came to be with us. But why did he come? I think that's a good question. Why Why did God send his son? I just want to give us three things this morning, uh, reasons why uh, Jesus came. And some of them are pretty obvious. I think we've, we've uh, discovered these before, perhaps, if you've uh, been following him for any length of time. For others, maybe you haven't, and maybe you still aren't, and that's all good. You're, you're here today, and we're excited for you. Whether you're following him or not, we're excited that you're here, and I'm excited that you get to discover something about Christmas other than Christmas trees and Santa Claus and presents. And so, but why, why did he come? I think that's a good question, isn't it? Why would God send his son into the world? Uh, Galatians 4 and 4, 4 to 9 says this, But when the set time had fully come, 
I like the old King James. It says, in the fullness of time. God's got his timing. And uh, we don't often understand it. Why do you do this at that time? And uh, why did you appear then and not there? But well, when, when the set time had fully come, and, and that set time was talked about uh, thousands of years ago through the prophets, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, that's, that word sonship uh, can mean male or female. Because you are his sons or daughters, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Abba meaning daddy. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. You know, we are an heir to a fortune, but we just don't know it. We just don't see it. We sing about heaven, but we have no idea what that, you know, really is all about. Some people, uh, you know, have gone there and come back uh, briefly. I, I, some of those stories, I believe it because it's just too uh, profound. Nobody could make that up. I, I remember a guy that used to sit with me when I first started attending church way back when. I come out of a, quite a, a party kind of a lifestyle, and uh, this particular guy was pretty old. He sat in the back, and his name was John, and he didn't even have a heartbeat in church. I mean, Vix, you would have really, you would have definitely got stuck into this guy. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you coming to church just to sit there and sleep? And so he'd sit there, and he'd fall asleep. I'd nudge him. He's snoring and everything. And anyway, he disappeared. Not disappeared. He just stopped coming to church. And I thought, where's John gone, you know? And anyway, um, several weeks or even months went by, and he came back, and I'm like, uh, where you been? And he goes, oh, you wouldn't believe it. He goes, uh, I had triple bypass uh, surgery. Now we're talking like late 70s. Uh, was a big deal back then, probably still is today. And, and this guy came back, and he was a totally transformed, different person. He came and he told the pastor, I want to start a 24-hour, seven days a week prayer room for this church. This is a guy that didn't even have a heartbeat, no pun intended, but uh, now he's, he's wanting to start a, a prayer closet, a prayer room where people could pray. And so I went back and I visited the prayer room, and it had uh, every hour of every day of the whole week on it. I mean, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., and when people wouldn't put their name down to pray where it wasn't convenient, his name was there. I'm talking about the wee hours of the night. So I said to him, I said, what happened to you? Like, and he goes, well, I don't share this with many people because they think I'm nuts. <laughs> and uh, I thought, share it. And he said, I died. And he said, I went to heaven. It's real. <laughs> I didn't know if I believed it before. And I thought, no, you definitely didn't believe it. You used to sleep through everything, you know. You didn't even sing the songs or, or even make an effort to do anything. It was just, and, and he had totally, totally changed. And I said, well, what was it like? And he said, if you pick the most, the best loving, joyful moment, all your Christmases and birthdays coming at once. If, he said, if you chose the most uh, incredible moment of joy in your, in your whole life and multiplied it times billions, he said, it wouldn't even come close to what I felt. And I said, he said, I had to come back here. And my assignment is to get this get prayer going. Heaven is a real place. It's real. And he says, we need to connect with it through prayer. And so, you know, that's what he did. And, and I, I fully believed him. Heaven is a real place. 
And, and the scripture says this. It says, you're no longer a slave. You're a child of God, and you're an heir. Do you know, an heir, we are heirs of an absolute fortune beyond belief, an eternity called heaven, but we live as if it doesn't exist, and it's a fairy tale like Santa Claus or something. So he came so that slaves could become sons and sons and daughters, heirs uh, of his vast eternity called heaven. In Revelation 12, uh, uh, 1 to 5, we'll look at uh, another reason that he came. Now, this is a great prophecy in the book of Revelation. It says, a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Now, these 12 stars were the visible stars of what we'd call the zodiac today, and they're all numbered. They have different names. And so they could look up into the star, uh, into the sky, rather, in the night sky, and they could see these, these stars. And they, they saw these stars as the sun and then the moon came up uh, in, the, in the, the, the early morning. They could see the stars appear, and it looked like a woman, but there was significance in this. Stars represent uh, angels. And so it says, and there were 12, there was a moon under her feet and 12, a crown of 12 stars on her head as they looked up. That's what they saw. And she was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. And then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Now these represent the empire's uh, of the world. There's the Babylonians and, and the, uh, the, the Medes and, of course, the Romans. And then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, uh, seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Now, we know in uh, the Bible that talks about the, the angels that were fallen with Lucifer, the light bearer. And it says here uh, that it might devour her child the moment he was born. You know, we talk about uh, Christmas time and the birth of the manger and, and, you know, all the nice things, but there was like something serious going on to stop this event from happening. The devil did not want this to happen. He is uh, referred to as the dragon here. He withstood this. He, he uh, through Herod, he ordered all the children under two years, all the males under uh, two years to be killed. And he was, he was seriously bent on trying to stop this from happening. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The next reason that God came, that he sent his son into the world, he came as a seed to destroy a serpent. See, here's the thing. People don't realize that the seed of God, that baby that we celebrate Christmas about that was born in the manger, he was on a course of destruction. He was out to destroy something. This doesn't make sense because I think about God as the creator. I think about God as love. I think about God as joy and, and, and peace and hope and, and all of these lovely things that we sing about. But I was going to call this sermon Terminator Baby. Terminator baby. Because this baby was about to destroy the dragon. This is incredible when you think about it. That he didn't just come, you know, so that we could sing nice songs and have church and, you know, and just have some lovely Christmas events and watch, you know, some, uh, some nice 
lights and things like that. We sing about peace, love, and joy at Christmas, and, and all of these things are great. But if anybody tells you that, uh, that when Jesus came into your life, that everything was just going to be joy and peace and, and, and love, they're lying to you. There was an incredible destructive act that was about to take place that's in our lives, and the whole world would be changed as a result of it, and your life as you knew it would never be the same. Some people go, uh, you'll say, oh, how, you know, how long have you been a Christian? For? All, my, all my life I was a Christian. There is no such thing. You had to invite him into your life, and when you invite him into your life, your life is going to change. Your life is not going to be the same. You have to, as Jesus said, you got to be born uh, again. Something is going to happen. Now you're thinking, well, what is he going to destroy? What is this all about? Genesis 3.15 it's, this is prophecy. This is way back in the garden. It says uh, when after Adam fell, and it says this, And I will put enmity between you, the serpent, and the woman, and between your seed, the serpent's seed, and her seed. He, the Messiah, Jesus, will crush or destroy your head, and you will bruise his heel. Now, 1 John 3.8 says this, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. I don't know if you get that or not, but he came to destroy something. Have a Merry Christmas. God bless you all. I find that incredible. The ultimate creator came to be an ultimate destroyer that creator of everything could come to destroy something that love actually came to destroy, that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to create something uh, out of the devil. Uh, creation actually is, is destroying something. The author comes to destroy. That, that the author of creation came to destroy chaos. Now, that's incredible, but what was it that he came to destroy? He came to destroy something called sin. Now, I know that sin is not a popular word, and if you've come to church, you're expecting to hear about sin. You're expecting me, the preacher, to point my bony finger at you and remind you how dirty you are, you, you rotten, stinking person, you sinner. Now, not quite. God actually loves you intensely. He didn't come to destroy you. He came to destroy that which is destroying you. God didn't come to destroy the world and humanity. God came to save, and we'll see that. God, God is actually for you and not against you, but God is against anything that is against you. As a parent, you know, I could tolerate a lot of things, but touch my, touch my, we only have one, so I'll just say, touch my son, and, you know, and I will deal with it the best of my ability. You know, I will, I will do whatever it takes. I will, I will hijack an F-16. I will get a submarine. I will, I will get the, you know, the, 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 the football from the president, and I will launch a nuclear war against you. If you're going to touch my kids, you know, you're in trouble. And that's the way parents are. They're, you know, and, and think about God, your heavenly father, and think about what hurts him the most are things that hurt you. So we look around this world, and look, you know, I'm an optimist. I really don't like 
the pessimistic thing, and I'm not out looking at everything's wrong with the world and doom and gloom. There's, the world is a beautiful place in one aspect for sure, but uh, if you look at uh, other aspects of the world and you see what, what's going on with humanity, it should hurt you. There's something in your heart that should go, that's not right. That just isn't right. That shouldn't happen. There shouldn't be a, a, a sex traffic, sex trade going on with young girls. There, there, there shouldn't be, you know, all of these things going on, the, the, the hideous things, which I don't need to mention them all here because we're well aware of them. But uh, that, that, that should just wreck you. How much more does it wreck God? God came to destroy those things. He, if it were broken, it, it could be fixed. But destroy doesn't mean just to take those things and, and kind of patch them up and, you know, fix them together. It doesn't mean even just to, to, to shatter it in pieces and then we can glue it all back together. The, the word for destruction is incredible. So it's, it's a word that, that, that literally means to take it in a, and liquidate. It means to dissolve it. It means to loosen it. It means that, that there's no repairing this anymore. This mess has got to go. And what he did in destroying the works of the devil, not you, is he made it so this thing is not going to come back again and bite anybody. He took it all upon himself. That's the message of, of the cross, which comes later. But first the son had to come into the world. God doesn't need any more than a seed. And this is what really gets me here. That, that, uh, that it's a seed destroying, it's a, it's a, a devil destroying, a serpent destroying seed that God sent into the world. That the ultimate creator became the ultimate destroyer. Love came to destroy something. He didn't come to expose your sin. He came to destroy it. I, I, I love the fact that that there's an incredible power in something as simple as a seed. Now, our house back in Budrum, before we moved, because it just got out of control, had a huge garden, a backyard with a slope on it, which, you know, tried to fix it because I just didn't like uh, mowing down hills and all that. I got over it really fast. I couldn't keep up with the seeds of the weeds and the seeds of the morning glory, the vines, the, uh, the bamboo, uh, a mango tree that actually had some kind of a mango that you couldn't eat. It's like worthless. I tried cursing it like Jesus did the fig tree. No fruit on you ever again because it would just drop the lousy things and everywhere. I was just cleaning the mess up, couldn't eat any of them. Uh, but I quickly realized the power of something so small as a seed. And if that seed starts to grow and, and turns into something substantial like a tree, the roots of that thing will just lift everything up. We went to London one year, and we did a, grave, uh, uh, a graveyard tour. You think, what, the, what a macabre thing to do. Why would you do that? A lot of famous people were buried in this particular uh, cemetery. And, uh, and it was creepy. It was the autumn. There were leaves everywhere, wet leaves, you know, kind of overcast, dark. And, uh, and we did this tour, and it was just amazing, all the people, and, you know, barons of uh, newspaper barons and people that had made their wealth in all these different ways and huge, giant, uh, you know, what do you call those things, mausoleum kind of deals where they're buried in there and then others, little pauper's graves and, you know, the whole range of things, wealth kind of following them to the grave. Uh, but one of the most interesting things was these two guys that were very wealthy, they're both multimillionaires, and uh, I forget, one of them was a, 
uh, I don't know if he's a newspaper tycoon, the other a railroad or something like that. And they had this competition throughout life. They were bitter enemies. And, and then one of them died before the other one, so the other one made sure that, uh, that he got buried like in a prime position, uh, a, like a plot next to the, uh, the other guys that, uh, you know, uh, he, he was going to be the king and everything. And, and then over time, the other guy died as well. And so, you know, they're still competing in the grave kind of. And, and one of the guys, uh, a, a tree had lifted his uh, coffin and all, all, all the, whatever you call that thing that they put the coffin in, it, it had lifted it up and put it on top of the other guys. It was like even a death is like, I will rule. I'm going to own you. And I, and I thought, wow, like that tree that from the little seed that had kind of gotten in there, they didn't even plant this thing, grew up into this, this giant oak with these root system and everything, and just lifted that thing up and put it on top of the other one. I thought, that's the way, it's, that's the power of a seed. It doesn't always happen instantly. In fact, seeds kind of, you know, they're growing while you're sleeping. Your, your grass, have you ever noticed that? You know, it's like, oh, I just mowed that grass, and that's a little bit of rain, now it's back out there mowing it again. And, and, and there's incredible power in, in, to destroy when it comes to a seed. Something so small, like cynicism and, and, and disillusion and all the diswords can get into us as a seed, and they can destroy our outlook on life. But God has a solution. He has a seed that works like, over time as well, that's incredibly powerful, that just seeks out this thing called sin, which is destroying you, and it uproots that, and he took all of that so that you don't have to suffer from that, and you don't have to have that torment in you in life. Now, there's something about, when you talk about sin, people don't like it, okay, but bear with me. He came to save that, that which was lost. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to save you from and the world from, from sin. But in doing that, if you think about this for a moment, what did he actually come to do? And I, I like to substitute the word sin. I like to just put yourself in there. That he came to save you from yourself. Do you see, we would expect God to go out like Superman and go out there and just save the whole world. He's going to fly around with a cape because he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. He's omnipotent. It means he's all-powerful. God can do anything. So, God, I'm going to sit back, and I'm going to watch you go and do all this amazing stuff and just, you know, save every child, save every, you know, obliterate the sex trade and, and, and do away with this and do away with that friend. For him to do that, listen to me carefully, he would have to destroy all of us. Because the real problem isn't something external, it's in, in here. Have you ever tr tried to save yourself from something? Try to save, if you're lonely and you're here, and I hope not, but you could be, have you ever tried to save yourself from loneliness without any help from anybody else? Well, that just doesn't fly. You know, to not be lonely, you've got to, somehow you've got to come out of yourself and reach out and you've got to meet some people. Otherwise, you're going to be alone. You can't save yourself from everything. There's some things, you know, pull yourself up, man. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Like, how are you going to do that? 
<laughs> you know, you've got to stand up and then pull your boots on. You can't pull yourself up from your bootstrap. You can't save yourself from, from uh, sin. You can't save yourself from the destructive power, the force that's not out there somewhere. It's in here. And, and for God to save the world from this, he first has to start saving each one of us one soul at a time. Because the problem out there is with people. They don't understand that they need a Savior. I don't know why that's such bad news. I really don't. You, you, we sing about that, and they want to change the channel to, to, to Santa Claus and Christmas trees and presents. I, even looking at the news feed, I don't like doing this, but, you know, as we get closer to Christmas, it's amazing. Like, I, I read something today. It said, uh, you know, Buddha has amazing advice to help your marriage. Merry Christmas. Like, is it, it's, I thought it was about somebody named Jesus, not somebody else. You know, it, it's all switched around. It's all twisted because people don't want to acknowledge that the real problem is in them. They got to, you, you yourself, me, myself, and I need to get some things right. And I can't do that with by myself. Do you understand that? I tried, tried a whole lot of stuff to try to get delivered from a whole lot of things. But I can't do that by myself. And so he came and he liquidated some of the things. He dissolved uh, the, the problem in my heart. He loosed me from some of these things that I, I needed loosing from. He came to absolutely set the slave free to destroy the works of the devil so that he could save all of us from our, our sins, from bitterness and discouragement. Have you ever, you ever watched somebody that, that just has a greed problem or, or a bitterness problem? That's a heart matter. It's deep-seated within your heart, and that's what the seed of God can come and do. He can get down into the very part of you that needs rescue, and it's not so much on the outside. It's, it's yourself, and, and we can't shake those things, and so God uh, didn't come to fix the problems of the world, uh, you know, end poverty, end injustice, end all of these things. He can't solve the problems of the world without solving the problem with us. All the problems of the world are simply external reality of the problem that's on the inside of us. And when he fixes the problem in us, he can fix every problem in the world. That's Christmas. That's why he came. He came to destroy something. He came to destroy that which has been destroying you. There might be a few things in your life that you're a slave to. I don't know. I, I don't. I hesitate to have a big list of things. You know, you might be a slave to discouragement. That, that distance from courage, discourage. You'd love to have a little more courage in some areas, a little, like some boldness, but you're discouraged. And maybe this time of year, discouragement knocks at your heart like never before. Could be, you know, rejection from uh, employment or from family you don't want to face. I was talking with somebody at the gym uh, during the week. I said, what are you doing for Christmas? And, and she said, nothing. She said, it's just another day for me. I hear that a lot. I go, okay, yeah, you're right. It is in some ways. It's just another day. And she said, I'm not going home. Home was New Zealand. She goes, because uh, I've got to spend Christmas with my mother's side, then my father's side, so obviously a broken home. And then uh, just all the discouragement. And she just said, I'm just staying here. 
just going to stay here with my partner and forget about all that stuff. Just another day. And I could feel just the discouragement in this poor woman. A personal trainer, somebody that's positive, you know, pump, pumping other people up and everything. You could just see in her eyes, just, she's discouraged. You might be a slave to things like that. You might be a, a, a slave to some kind of a vice or a habit, perhaps. And you know it's wrong. You don't like doing it, but you just can't seem to get out of it. It's like you need a Savior. You don't need somebody like me to get up and rail on and condemn you for any of it. It's not going to help, and it wouldn't, wouldn't be God anyway. But you need to be saved from yourself and these things that are in your heart. That's why it's such good news. We sing, hoop it up and everything else. That's good if you know what you're hooping about, what you're singing about, why are you clapping. But I'm here to say this morning, no matter what it is that's in your heart, God can fix every single problem. You might suffer from depression or despair, any of these things. God's got a solution for every one of them, and that's His Son. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.